What's good everybody, it's your boy Big Nate. Welcome to Big Nate Short Story Club, home of the best short story clubs. And today I am joined by me again with Jake Hadley, the one and only. Say what's up. Hello, the professor. The professor is here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and today we are talking about I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream by Harlan Ellison. Um, which I've got sort of strong thoughts about. and But Jake and I have not spoken about it with, um, took much effort to do that, but... Um, we're going to do live reactions here, but first the opening segment, which again, I, I was telling, um, with my other guest, Matt, I was telling him, I didn't really think this through. Cause like we met what, like two weeks ago. Yes, we did. Yeah. So, so are you reading anything new? Are you still reading, um, To Kill a Mockingbird? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm, you know, reading bits and pieces here as I, you know, as I lecture about it, but I started reading the turn of the screw. That Henry the James, screw? Henry the Turn of the Screw. It's a Henry James novella, early like Victorian Gothic work. There's like mm -hmm. a Netflix show based on it now, but you know it's. Oh really? Wait, what's the yeah, show? It's, more, Is that, it, it's just self-titled. The, the Haunting of Bly Manor, I believe. Mm. Yeah, I think, and you know, I've seen like The Haunting of Hill House. I was um, gonna say, have you read that? I have also read that, yeah. Uh, dude, it's I got this, like, sick-ass copy of it, and I've been wanting to, because, I don't know, everything, whatever, like, little stuff I've read by Shirley Jackson is super good, and, yeah, I've been wanting to get that for, to get to that for a long time, and actually Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, like, those are two, I think they're written around the same time, like, classic horror that I've been wanting to get to for a while. Right, and Frankenstein being, like, you know, the first, the first horror and it's crazy how modern it feels because we just, mm. you know, everybody just takes the same, the state, same shit, right, and and plugs it into different places. Yeah, it almost seems derivative because right. of like how original it actually, how much people, um, exactly, sort of copy it. But um, also, I noticed you hit you hit your stuff, and I had a feeling, so I'm gonna go of ahead course. and, you know, I gotta load mine. You gotta indulge. But, um, yeah, exactly. So, okay, yeah, you were just telling me about something that I kind of uh, I stopped you and told you to wait for the uh, <laughs> wait for the show to tell me. So, what you got? So, the Gothic lit class that everybody is dying to know about from the Cathedral episode. Everyone is just on. I've just been getting email after email, even though I have. But um, <laughs> asking um, about your Gothic lit class. So, yes, how's that going? I'm working on a proposal that you're, that you're, now. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm working on the name too. Mm, yeah, important right now i i have the the gothic imagination Ooh, i think is a strong nice. contender that's good bro yeah that's good i like that yeah um, do you know what you um plan to like some of the texts you plan to include in the uh in the syllabus i mean i definitely i'm gonna do at least four novels i'll probably do mm. um either yeah pro i'll probably do the haunting of hill house yeah, I wish I read it so I could comment on it, but I already kind of can tell that that would be a good one to have in there. Right. Yeah, I would love to do Dracula. Oh, really? Well. Is that shit good? I thought that was like, I heard, in my mind, Frankenstein was actually well-written, but Dracula was a slog. I, I say that as someone who has read neither. <laughs> it so. is. No, it, it legitimately is. Mm. Uh, it's a lot. There's a lot of layers to the story. Yeah, um, but I think it's I I think it's worth it. Okay. If if you're if you're like in into the the monsters of mm -hmm. of gothic lit, 
I just did a, an episode last week with um, with the homie Elliot, and we did A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner, and that is, that shows, I, in my opinion, that's goth as fuck. It is very, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it is, it and, is typical gothic, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, I'm... I'm still reading Paradise Lost, and I'm actually going to read a good quote, or like a quote, because I'm like, dang, because this is, I'm at the part where uh, Satan is, okay, first off, bro, this, it was, okay, so Raphael, like, Prince of Angels, basically, comes down, alights onto Earth, and him, like, the whole last, like, book, like, chapter, in fact, it might have been two, was just, like, them talking about, like, just, like, the war that happened in heaven, and Satan and how they need to watch out because like there's a known enemy on like in Eden basically in the Garden of Eden and like you know just he's been it was like uh like you get the background on what happened in heaven but this was more than anything it was like a warning and it's like okay cool and then a week later um Eve is like we have like all this forest to like tend why don't we like go split separately like why don't we like divide and conquer and Adam's like, nah, I don't know. And eventually he, he's like, he's convinced. And, and then he's like, but okay, real quick, before you go, remember, like there, there don't, there's like evil afoot, basically. Like there is, there is a foe, there is a malicious foe in the midst. And she's like, and she's like offended. She's taken aback. She's like, wow, you really don't, tr- all the more reason for me to go that you don't trust me to like be able to um, endure and maintain my integrity. Dude, the and drama she goes, of it all. The drama of it all. <laughs> I know. And then. And then the serpent comes, and then he and he's just like, and I, he like long story short, of course, he convinces her to eat the apple. I'm like, bro, like the prince of angels and Adam just told you not to, literally just told you not to, and that like he could be tricky, slippery, you know, like sly, guile, full of guile, or is it guileless? I forget actually, but um, and then he freak, and then she eats the she eats the apple, but I was gonna say. Satan actually, because I, I was going into this and I'm like, because I'm reading, like, obviously, you know what's going to happen. And I'm like, dude, there's no way she actually eats the apple. Like, that's insane. They just they just told him all this. But Satan actually has some pretty good, like, reasoning. He goes on this whole spiel. And I'm just going to read, like, a little part. Just because, I don't know. It, I just I just enjoy it. But she's trying to, he's, like, trying to convince her. It's like, it's not bad to eat the apple. Uh, he says, shall that be shut to man? Like, you know, the apple. Shall that be shut to man, which to the beast is open? Because he's like, I'm a serpent and I just ate the apple. And look, I'm alive. And look, I got human tendency now. So he says, shall that be shut to man, which to the beast is open? Or will God incense his ire for such a petty trespass and not praise rather your dauntless virtue, whom the pain of death denounced, whatever thing death be, deterred not from achieving what might lead to happier life, knowledge of good and evil? Of good, how just. Of evil, if what is evil be real, why not known, since easier shunned. God, therefore, cannot hurt ye, and be just. Not just, not God. Not feared then, nor obeyed. Your fear itself of death removes the fear. But he's basically, he's like, bro, God would not do you dirty like that for eating the apple. He said, what what a petty trespass. Like, would God really get mad at such a petty thing? And he's like, what's bad about getting knowledge? And if you eat that shit, it's like, if you eat it and he gets mad, that's not a just God. And if it's God, it has to be just. Therefore, you can eat the apple. And she's like, damn. And then it's like, she's hungry too. Like, it's noon and the breeze comes in and the like the fruit's got this savory smell that wakes her appetite. And she's like, all right, shit, I might eat the apple. And then, woe unto man, bro. Woe unto all <laughs> mankind. <laughs> but I'm like, bro, he, she, they like... Raphael and Adam and God just you got one you got one tree not to eat from 
and you really eat from the tree like it's fucked up but okay i'm about to hit this um about to give into temptation yeah exactly yeah i blame i blame um eve and adam for this one bro (laughs) (laughs) all right well i don't know that's basically all the uh all the uh opening segment i wanted to talk about although so uh, i was gonna say i'm reading paradise lost but i'm also reading like little um like books of short stories just kind of like perusing of here course and there. yeah fill the gaps yeah and i i started this this book called bestiary which is like selected text by um julio cortazar who is like it reads just it's like a it's like a modern more modern version of borges which i don't think you've read either and bro you are asleep the whole world is asleep actually wait who who was who who's this who have you been reading say his name again julio i think it's julio cortazar and i read a couple stories and i'm like this is fucking fire he's good bro like he's good i he i think he's slept i think he's officially in my book slept on so and i think That's i think well, at lot. some point yeah, and at some point, I think we're gonna have to do a story on him. And we're like I said last time too, we definitely need to do. Oh, Borges, oh, I've read, I've read, uh, Cronopios and Famas. Cronopios oh, I have no, Famas. I haven't read that one yet. That nice. I, I, okay. I have read that. Yeah, very. If you know, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, very uh, surreal. I would say. Surreal, uncanny. Yeah. Yes. 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 Borges is like that too, and like super philosophical. It's, it's magical great. realism. Yeah, is another, oh, yeah. Up, yeah, up the ass that comes up to mind. Ass. It's like Latin America, dude. Latin America is like the the hub for magical realism. It's great because that's um, I'm pretty sure, dude. See, my I don't know. Is your geography bad too? My geography is so bad. But oh, it's is Col- okay? Is Colombia in Latin America? Like part of Yo, Latin America. yeah yes okay yes. okay <laughs> he said all right i knew yes. that one though he said my job is bad no, but i knew I, that one i, I and uh, yeah I, I mean i say everything <laughs> with confidence whether i know it or not that's for other people to decide whether i'm wrong yeah yeah exactly okay well with that final um with that final hit i say we get into the story i have no mouth and i must scream so I've got my thoughts on it. I'm. I want to hear yours first. I don't want mine to influence your. Not that they would, but I want to hear your. I want to hear your just general impressions, just general thoughts. Well, I knew about Harlan Ellison before this, just as a, a personality in science really? fiction, and mm. and and you know science fiction and literature, and also you know the screen. And what was that? Well, he's, I mean, he's known for, uh, you know, what's considered one of the best episodes of the original Star Trek series. So, oh, seriously? It, yeah. Oh, episode, that's crazy. Yeah, called The City on the Edge of Forever. Um, and, it, you know, it won Hugo Awards, right? The, you know, one of yeah. those, those big sci-fi awards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some Writers Guilds Awards. And he... he he w- he hated the way they they used his you know his script for it um hmm. and he he was just knowing j- he was grumpy he was grumpy grumpy yeah yeah I, he yeah i could get that i could get that he was grumpy but he he had a lot to say very energetic and you know the, <laughs> yeah. the word that like comes up you know when i'm reading about him uh is you know, pugnacious 
pugnacious. Right, he is ready. Wow, so perfect. Right, he's, yeah, he's ready. He's very litigious. Litigious, right? he, yes. Scrappy, yeah. scrappy, looking Absolutely. for some shit to start. Yeah, yeah he, yeah. you know, he took James Cameron to court claiming he had, you know, plagiarized part of Terminator. No, that's uh, from from Ellison's own work, so I came to it knowing. <laughs> that's funny. Bro. Knowing that this is this is, you know, he's an sometimes considered an angry man, if if not angry, like at least crass. Yeah. Right and ornery, and so reading this, my very my initial impression was the anger. Yeah. The of, hatred, you might say. Right. This <laughs> hatred for humanity that is built into this artificial intelligence that, you know, the the antagonist and the setting of of the story. And, you know, we always say that, like, great – or, you know, people will say that great storytelling is uh, – requires you to put your characters through, you know, the worst and, and really test them. And I mean, to me, this is like a an experiment in that. Um, and he even said in this this interview, I I watched with him. He even said he, you know, sat down to wrote write it, um, and he wrote it essentially in one night, and mm, did yep. did very little changing to it. Um, and and my I just say I think it shows. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I also think it shows, um, and I think when he reads it. You know, I I listened to an audiobook version of it read by him, mm. and it it comes across yeah, it, it comes across as a more compelling story that way. Yeah, all the work of the story is done in the actual performance of it, and not right. the actual because yeah, I actually the audiobook was was a trip, and we'll we'll actually get into all that. But he does a whole bunch of extra shit that's not even in. Like the story, like he repeats words and he changes his volume, he changes his pitch, he he extends them. He he says scream, like you know, it's a, he and, and it's like you he don't get accents. that at all. Yes, accents which are not originally in the story. Just like there's a whole bunch of stuff, and like he he he's almost making noises, like he's kind of like scoffing. He's like, huh, or he has like little laughs. Like it, it's like it's very subtle things, but that actually add up to a lot, and that is nowhere to be found in the story. And I like. Sometimes a sentence would be like not good or a part would be not good, but his like literally again his perfor- it's the performance of it that captivates you in the audiobook. Whereas like I even read a little bit of the story again after the audiobook and it's just like so much flatter. But we can get it we can get into that. But oh oh, you know what? Here, for the listeners too, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a clip right now because it's actually fucking crazy it is it's it is a crazy performance i heard myself shriek and the hinges of my jaws ached i scuttled across the floor across the cold metal with its endless lines of rivets on my hands and knees the smell gagging me filling my head with a thunderous pain that sent me away in horror i fled like a cockroach across the floor and out into the darkness that something moving inexorably after me the others were still back there gathered around the firelight laughing laughing their hysterical choir of insane giggles rising up into the darkness like thick many colored wood smoke I went away quickly I went away quickly I went away quickly and hid he goes and this is how he talks all the time this is not (laughs) this is not necessary I mean it's it is an affectation when he's doing voices, right? When he's mm-hmm. playing, uh, you know, this this uh, artificial intelligence, this murderous, 
sentient, hateful, spiteful, yeah, thing. And it and it sounds like him. Like that's his voice is mm-hmm. and the, his anger. He he was mad when he wrote this. That's really interesting to know. He was mad when he wrote this. Yeah, bro, that shows too. That's like you need to take a chill pill. But okay, yeah. So I'll I'll talk about. So this is what I felt about the story. So I read this like actually a few years ago. Something like that, yeah, because I saw it on Reddit. It was like, what's the is like scariest short story you've ever read? Some some shit like that. And they're like, I read, I kept seeing it. I have no mouth and I must scream. I have no mouth, and I must scream. And the title is fantastic. That thing that draws you right in. And they were saying like, I couldn't. I had nightmares. I couldn't sleep. I'm like, oh damn. Okay, let's get it. And like, I don't know if this changed anything, but I like, I was just you know, I had smoked some gas. And I'm like reading Naturally. this. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this is like garbage, bro. This is. Ba-. I thought it was straight up bad. I mean, not bad, but the writing. The writing I thought was very, like, sophomoric. Like a high schooler could have written it, almost, if that makes sense. And I'll and I'll get into concrete examples. I think it. I think it comes out throughout the, uh, throughout the whole story. But I don't know. With some with a reread or two, I think it did get better and I think the reason this story is so powerful actually is because there are a lot of really interesting ideas that he like explores in here, like artificial intelligence and like this like this modern technoscape hell. Just yeah, the concept of like suffering eternally and just again, yeah, that like you said the hate that is in this is in this story. It's like a, it's like a real for so in that way i think there's a lot that's good about it and again like like you said it got the hugo there's like uh they made a video game after they they did like adaptations like with comic books and they the bb i looked this one up this was a shout out wikipedia but um adapted into a radio play for for bbc so it's like this this story clear and i like i said and it's a reddit favorite apparently so it's clearly got a grip on people and i i don't think it's for no reason i i do see that there's a lot of stuff to talk about and, and explore explore with the story. That's and, why I'm actually... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, it's interesting that you say that because I wonder about what it is that makes it enduring because it is, in some ways, an outline of a good story, like a mm-hmm. sketch of a really good story. And I think that it's part, part of it... There's a lot that can be said for the atmosphere of it all. For mm-hmm. the um, the world building, almost. the world, the images, mm-hmm. right? I think those those to me have s- stood out on the initial reading and have uh, just sort of stuck with me. You know, the yeah. characters. It's less up to me about even his description of the characters. It, it's brief in this interview, mm-hmm. right? He's asked about each character, and it's it's brief. Right, but yeah. it's the world himself, the world itself, mm-hmm. right? That has a lot, um, I think, a lot of potential and a lot to play with, and that's what you know. It, this idea of of a murderous sentience um, was, yeah. you know, at the time again not, you know, not necessarily um, derivative as it is now. Right. In fact, it was is fairly original. Original. Yeah, and it's like it's almost kind of realistic in the sense that I think this is what's so compelling about it too. Is it's like it's it is hell. It is like a modern AI version of hell. But there is something always interesting about hell and just the very idea of like this 
thought it almost like when you really think about it, it almost it like makes you sick even just kind of thinking about it is like truly inescapably being forced to suffer an eternity of just like human suffering at the highest scale and i think what he does good actually is the creative ways which he makes you feel this like there's a lot of things we'll talk about in this story that you know pretty quickly that so maybe we can just actually get into the story because the very beginning scene is gorister one of the characters in their little kind of crew hanging from the ceiling drained of blood like like allison said through a precise incision and yeah, and then we see actually the real Gorister walk up and we realize this is just kind of a trick that the computer had played on them. One one of many that we will see. And, and you get the idea that they've, that it's been doing this, just sort of fucking with them in this like very grotesque and intense way. It's brutal. It's a brutal opening. And I think that this story, it starts with this really stark and kind of terrifying image and and then the these you know hallucinations or uh, uh holograms i you know whatever mm. they are right whether the 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 machine has entered their mind or whether it's projecting these things right right it it, it gets a little it gets crazier it gets weirder yeah right? but yeah, here it it's terrifying point. yeah right? it, this is i i like that we start off with saying it's potential for it's you know how it manifests this murderous uh rage that it has yeah and then we get this is like where we kind of get some expositional details where it's like they he thinks it's like their 109th year in the computer and the distortion of time here is all mentioned throughout it's like you can't even you can't tell whether it's been weeks years like who knows how long like the sort of yeah the passage of time gets really distorted and like in a tormenting way which like we'll talk about that but you know so we also find out too that they haven't eaten in three days and the last thing they had was quote it said worms thick ropey you know that's a good image right there i won't lie like just them eating worms like he said thick and ropey and then this part kind of summed up a lot of like what's going on with am is it said Hot, cold, hail, lava, boils, or locusts. It never mattered. The machine masturbated and we had to take it or die. So yeah, that was kind of like weird, but it's the first introduction that the machine is getting pleasure from torturing humanity. Right, and there's a, there is this, every once in a while, this fixation on sex in this environment. Oh, yeah. Like, where we just have to accept that they have been made immortal Right, mm-hmm. this, but Ellison felt necessary to, you know, describe how, how, how we'll see one man has been affected, uh, in a, sexually, right, and in, in a <laughs> yeah. way that impacts his ability to perform sex. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it, and and so Ellison goes into that a little bit. I think I think that's what weirded me out about the story actually at first, where I was like, what the fuck? Like the very first time I read it. Cause it, cause it does kind of come out of nowhere, like, and again, some once again, very jarring statements related to that, and I think we have some that we'll like we'll talk about. But I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is this is too weird right now. Um, like that's how I felt at first, and but then I, the, then it makes sense too because it's like everyone is sort of at some point 
like I, and I think that's one of the cool things about the story is actually like driven to madness and you can't tell when when someone is having some kind of psychological episode whether it's really them doing it or whether it's something that am had caused because we, he, there's even points in here where he says like he, he he gets driven to like this like violent anger and then there's even a part after which he says after which it passed after which it passed something like that it passed being like am almost incensing him and like it's kind of happening to everybody and that's what i I think threw me off of the first i think the first read but it's actually pretty good where there's like that part where he's talking about like so one of the there's like four character no no there's five characters what is it is it four is it four guys and a woman we'll get to all their names but it's it's something like that yes and then the narrator at some point is like thinking about ellen and he, it gets like, again, it gets like violent. He's calling her like a slut and a whore and like all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, bro, what am I reading? But then you get the, you get the idea that that might be something that Am is causing like some sort of discordance between them and driving him to like think that because it is sort of like crazy. That's, I think, again, that's why I think when I read it at first that I, maybe I wasn't prepared for that. I was like, what am I reading? That's how fucking like weird it gets. He, yeah, the narr- the narrator uh, does transfer this anger onto specifically, yeah, the one woman in the group, um, mm-hmm. who is 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 a black woman, which I think is interesting. That was um, okay. That because she's she's the one character who is mentioned. The skin color is mentioned, and it's at the very end too. And it yes. said ebony. It said her ebony skin. Yeah, just, yeah. That that was like a weird detail. I'm like, it's is is weird, right? Right. Because like, she does get, yeah. She she gets treated like shit in this. And yeah, so it's I an mean, interesting so, detail. They all. They yeah. They yeah. Yeah. No. No. You're you're right. She does get sort of uh, not a very like flattering uh, character depiction too throughout the story sometimes. Okay, so yeah, we get a little more too about just like we learn more about just the state of the world that they're sort sort of somehow trapped in Am's belly. It's not clear what the exact layout is, but they're sort of trapped in this AI machine and the outside world has been completely destroyed. Like humanity is has been completely wiped out by artificial intelligence or maybe it's not clear at that point, but it said nothing remained outside basically, but only the blasted skin of what had once been the home of billions. So you get the idea they're in this underbelly. Actually, now that I think about it, that's even more so a depiction of hell. Like, hell is down beneath the earth right, kind of yeah. thing. And, um, yeah, there's even... and Actually, so, I, I don't know. Feel free to chime in whenever if you got something. But this is also the point where Benny attempts to actually escape, which... Like everyone's kind of upset about or dreading because it's, it, it, you get the idea that they had tried, and f- every time they make that attempt, they will, they will like definitively fail and then incur some kind of like terrible punishment. So they don't even like try to do it. But you get the idea that there's like an outside that is still, although unreachable. But yeah, this is right. And this they, is, yeah, and they seem like they seem to pity him when he tries to escape them be in this moment being in the right state of mind right they take turns each of them descending into madness for you know mm-hmm. in an indeterminate period of time given how uh, uh strangely time passes in am but yeah so yeah um 
so this is where again we so we've kind of given been given a little bit of layout for like what has happened like historically what has led them here and they're they're walking to go get basically canned goods that that was like the whole thing because they haven't eaten in days and one of them i think it might be benny somebody gets the idea that there's going to be canned food in these ice caverns like that are over a hundred miles away and they just have this feeling that there's going to be canned goods and everybody knows they're like we shouldn't do this because like we we already know we're going to get there and am is just fucking with us oh hold up bro my dog is like hold up. you gotta chill bro okay <laughs> yeah so they're like the fact so that there's these ice caverns is it was another terrifying element to me that the machine uh manipulates the environment in that way whether I mean, even if it's just a projection, right? This I I, it's a very clear image to me, of you know passing through this like hallway of circuits, right? And mm -hmm. the computer yeah. literally living around you, uh, and moving into this suddenly this like ice cavern that you you don't know if it's real or you know an imagination or a projection from the machine. Yeah. Yeah, and there's all sorts of other things like there's like lands of steam and flame and like lava and crazy shit that he's. He yeah, simulates a hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, now, so I was gonna maybe bring this up later, but you, have you seen two thousand one? I have, yes. So I feel like that actually, and we'll talk about like, cause we're well, I'm sure we'll talk about like artificial intelligence and everything like that. But two thousand one is like for me actually one of like the kind of scariest depictions of ai because be because you got like and i haven't seen it in for so long and honestly i just got i was just listening to a podcast on it that's kind of where i got oh this. okay yeah yeah but it's like there's the part there's like the scene where they're inside and they kind of suspect how i think of having malicious intent so they try and go in the pod you know to like get away from him but just the idea of omnipresence where oh, they're yes. like, hey, they're like, because it's like they, th they through this facial expression, kind of reveal that they're like worried about um, how, but they can't talk about it because he's just constantly there. And we, we can get into that later, but th it's very much that idea actually where you are within the thing itself, like they're within Am's belly. And there is, I mean, what do you think of, what do you think, what are the three things for God? Omnipresent, uh, wait, what is, yeah, hold up. It's omnipresent, omniscient, and like omnipowerful or something and that sure. is what am is he is everywhere he can do anything and and he's pissed yeah. the fuck off he's very pissed yeah he's and we'll, angry we'll, <laughs> and we will definitely get to that as well but um so yeah ben this is this is like okay so yeah like i mentioned earlier this is around when benny's trying to escape and actually before we even get into that benny we should talk about the transformation benny has undergone which is that he is basically made to resemble like a chimpanzee in like a bunch of weird ways, <laughs> including yeah. like, let's just, let's address the elephant in the room here. Uh, Benny has like basically a huge ass, like dong. He says like a chimpanzee, like dick. basically. Dude, yeah, Not, he, he has like a horse cock. Like. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And this is also around the time when I was first reading. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? But I think I wasn't in the right mindset. But you know what this reminds me of, actually, is... I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's, like, a classic thing in, like, neuroscience classes. It's called, like, the homunculus. Oh, and of course, long, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's, like, because the sensitivity on your fingertips is way more yeah, sensitive than like, the, than, like, your back, your back and shoulders. And so there's more, like, whatever 
quote unquote cortical real estate dedicated to those more sensitive regions. But when you like project that back onto what a person would look like if it was to scale, it's like this like huge face, grotesque, like enormous lips, huge like feet and hands. Like it's a it's a it's a disproportional and grotesque figure, which is kind of what you get with Benny. And have you seen the original uh, like cover art for the mm-hmm. you know for the short story? collection this came from you gotta you gotta look at that like right now it's oh i sorry i know what you're talking about like with the ear like the weird cone ear and shit yes yes yeah and i had not made that connection to a to yeah homunculus man but that right yeah it is it is an very unnerving image it is Ooh, yeah i'm looking at it right now i gotta change this but um so already too i think this is an interesting thing because ai is sort of thought to be like the next higher evolution of humanity like that's when we sort of transcend ourselves and become something new and then we have that and then we have humans of course and then benny is changed into like like i just said a chimpanzee like our our lower the lower version the lower animal version of us and that and he the fact that Am not only is the he this psychopath, but that he is interested in this like mutilation, it really shows just his hatred for the for the like the species that created him. Mm-hmm. And it I I don't understand why there are these five. And in this interview, it seems that Harlan Ellison doesn't know why either. Interesting. Um, that's just what the story was telling him, huh? Yeah, that's right. Just what the story was telling him. Yeah, but these five like undergo these transformations that like again this idea of transhumanism and us uh, yeah transcending this this body and we see the reverse here, right? We see mm-hmm. like the human form being degraded and you know broken down, and yeah. it it's a yeah it is is scary. It, it's body horror. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and actually, now that we're, like, talking about it, it even gives, like, the, you can almost just picture Am as, like, this, like, psychotic kid that is, like, having almost, like, same vibe as, like, torturing cats almost. You know how, like, people, like crazy people do that? It's almost like you just have these five, they're, like, toys. In fact, they're referred explicitly to, in a way, as, as toys. And, you again, yeah, you get the idea that he's just, like, mutilating, like, twisting, cutting, fucking them up. And it's very hellish. Like this is one of the very this is one of the many different hellish properties that Am like as an environment takes. And it, he's in their bodies too, because we get in their that minds in their yeah, yeah in be, their minds as well. Right, because we get that scene where where Benny is you know something in Benny's mind or or like implanted in his brain rather mm-hmm. right causes him to go blind. Um, yeah. so they, I mean, they lack, they, they have zero control over their body whatsoever. They are playthings. Yes. And critically too, I, for, I don't think we even said this. They are for all intents and purposes, immortal. They will not die no matter how long they go without food and will never let them actually die. It's just to the point that they, cause you know, if he died, there goes his toys. Right. So la- yeah. And there's only five left supposedly. So, and this is kind of around, there's a part here that I think it does a good job. I think, I think it could perhaps be the first episode of Am sort of tweaking with the people's minds. So they said, so basically Benny is, yeah, he, 
He tries to escape. Yeah, we keep getting to the escape thing. And, like, there's, like, these beams of light, like, glowing out of his head. And he's, like, almost, like, being lifted in this, like, exorcist, almost this kind of exorcist way. And there's, like, this loud sound, like, this, ex like, excruciatingly loud sound. And then, like, it's, like, he's super painful. He, he, this is where he pinches his monkey face. And, like, you get, you just, and, he, and then it's compared to his arms are crossed around his stomach like a chipmunk. So, again, you get animal vibes. And basically, yeah, he just gets like fucked up and he's blinded and this is his punishment for trying to attempt um, to attempt to escape. And this so this is what this is what I'm actually leading up to, though, which is that there was something where it's like El, like Ellen was concerned for Benny. And this is where they kind of start thinking like, oh, we know why she's concerned with Benny It's because he's got like, this huge dick. Like, literally, that's what it is. <laughs> you got that uh, Pete <laughs> Davidson dick. Yeah. And it said. It was not this is okay and i think this is an example of where you get the idea it's it's sort of like a disproportionate anger and violence that you can't tell if it's actually the character thinking mm. it or if it's got something to do with am sort of escalating that so if it they're says, personifying am yeah it says it was not merely benny's face the computer had made like a giant's ape he was big in the privates she loved that Oh, Ellen, pedestal Enya, fuck. Oh, Ellen, pedestal Ellen, pristine, pure Ellen. Oh, Ellen, the clean, scum, filth. And then this is when, like, Gorster slaps and kicks her. It's just like, whoa, what, what, like, what, like, what just happened there? And this is where I think the audiobook actually comes into play because this is, like, during this part, he's talking crazy tones. He's talking high-pitched, loud, yes. super extremely fast, stretching words out. And when he says like that, oh, Ellen, pedestal Ellen, pristine, pure Ellen, oh, Ellen, the clean scum filth. It's like in the audiobook, I personally kind of interpreted that as like he, he sounds like an actual insane person. It was not merely Benny's face the computer had made like a giant ape. He was big in the privates. Uh, she loved that. She serviced us as a matter of course, but she loved it from him. Oh, Ellen, pedestal Ellen, pristine, pure Ellen. Oh, Ellen, the clean scum filth. This is this is Am driving him to a point of madness just to just as part of their hellish torment. And this is something that happens all the time. I didn't really. I wasn't actually sure in the story, or at least it's like less clear. You, you made less clear as to, yeah, wh whether this is uh, an imagining. Less, yeah, less clear. Like the tone, like the tone of it, didn't make me immediately think um, it was Am doing something. Like it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess just the idea that there is a there is a very big difference in tone between the audiobook reading of this and the actual text reading of this. Right, because if we if we hear the narrator's voice as we learn the narrator's name pretty early on too, don't Ted. we? Yeah, Ted. We he <laughs> also yeah. <laughs> just saying that out loud now, Ted, bro. That's funny. If but, we yeah. if we hear him as Harlan Ellison reading it. Like he is a mad person, yeah. Um, and there's, you know, I, I, this story reminded me of that idea. Like, if you know, if you know, a mad person in a a mad world, you know, isn't a mad person in a mad world truly uh, sane or mm. or something like that? Well, however that phrase goes, but yeah. yeah, playing with this this idea that you know who who's who's the real who's the psychopath here. 
Yeah. By the way, I think there's leaf. I don't know what it is. It's every time I record. I think like every single podcast I've recorded, there's been a fucking leaf blower. They wait until I start. I even moved rooms specifically because I'm like, what if the leaf blower goes on outside? And it is, and you can still probably hear it. But that's all right. We're 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 gonna power through. But um, yes, no. So all that, and then so this is kind of the point too where they I guess like kind of make camp for the night, and this is when Benny is like kind of in this very sort of stupid simple kind of way like what is am he's basically asking what am means and he wants gorister to tell him the story of am and he's like drooling yeah Yeah. it's very like yeah tell me about the rabbits george very mice Mm. and men very lenny yes benny lenny yeah (laughs) that's funny and so we get to learn i guess a little bit like this is where we get some of the background about how am kind of came to being so I i have like something here it says, at first it meant allied master computer, and then it meant adaptive manipulator, and later on it developed sentience and linked itself up, and they called it an aggressive menace. But by then it was too late, and finally it called itself AM, emerging intelligence, and what it meant was I am, cogito ergo sum, I think, therefore I am. So this is like a whole kind of, this is basically the idea of like AI consciousness, AI AI sentience and I think it's interesting because I had been reading this this is something also the audiobook did I kept reading it as am but throughout the whole thing he refers to it as am because the whole thing is I am. like it is the whole reason this is happening is because am like as a system gained consciousness enough to develop its own you I guess you could say like agentic desires and wiped out the earth just to continue just to keep well we'll, we can get into that but yes that's where the that's where am comes from yeah and it yeah it is alive right and once Mm. once once a machine gives itself a name it's it's game over for humanity generally (laughs) yeah and then like we learned like something about world war three took place and it was a very complex war, so they had to get supercomputers, quote unquote, until they had honeycombed the entire planet, which I actually thought was a pretty cool. It's I like pretty, that. It's pretty. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Like I imagine, yeah. you know, like this zoom out over the Earth, and exactly. you know, the, where this this machine, you know, Collide Allied Master Computer, right? That I mean, that's the most we get as far as its purposes. We know that you know China has one, that Russia has one. And so I like this idea of this computer be- becoming the city itself, the nations themselves. Yeah, right? yeah you just As have this defense. image of this. Yeah, yeah. And it's this massive like system that literally spans across the entire world that is interconnected. And then, and then it says, but one day Am woke up and knew who he was and he linked himself and he began feeding all the killing data. First off, that is so, that's what I mean by this this story is sophomoric sophomoric yes and he began he he began feeding all the killing data until everyone was dead except for the five of us and am brought us down here so that's the that's that's the story of am and how they got here they don't know either they even split we have no idea why it's why just us five how they're kept alive yeah if they yeah, are all, kept alive, right? If their yeah. perception of time is accurate. And that's part of the hellish quality of it too, is you have no idea what is going on, this disorientation. And I, and again, we got to remember, I feel like it's mentioned, but um, like at a couple different, it's, I feel like it's emphasized is that they're in the hundredth something year of being in this, in this 
in this modern hell. And on the one hand, that is so long, like you can just imagine over a century of just this torment. But on the other hand, a hundred years is nothing. Because to, to, if it's up to Am, and he has, Ted kind of has his realization, which I think kind of sparks actually the ultimate kind of conflict at the end. But he, he realizes Am is going to literally keep us here forever, like unto eternity, for affinity. And that is what is actually, I think, so compelling and scary about this story. That's what I think people mean when they think, it, like they say that it's scary. It's that idea of being in something that it is impossible to escape like there is no hope of escape and you are forced to suffer it for eternity at the limits of human suffering that's that's a terrifying idea it really is and it, yeah he relies just on our 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 ability to right given our we can imagine hell we have depictions of hell and he's relying on that a lot here and i think that's why he just skips through the story of of truly you know what the fuck does killing data mean yeah right and, it, I, and i agree it doesn't matter i don't I, and i don't think it matters yeah. but still i just don't like the writing itself no absolutely it's it's blunt and yeah i mean rushed yeah i mean you it, like you can kind of tell he wrote it in a night kind of thing yeah. but it's still good it's it's still good um okay so yo are we able to like can i take a piss i gotta pee yeah yeah do it do it and I got, dude, my throat. Can you hear my throat changing now? A little bit. Okay, I'm gonna take a cough drop. All right, go for it. I I feel like even yeah myself. It take you gotta we gotta do like vocal warm ups. <laughs> I said brah brah. What's uh, High School Musical? I I have no I me 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 me. That's yeah, all yeah. I was. <laughs> Dang, Vanessa Hudgens was sexy, huh? <laughs> yes yeah Disney knew what they were doing I did you know who is super bad too actually Ariana Grande and Victorious whoever Victorious was and Zoe 101 ooh <laughs> yeah all of those Nick shows tell me I'm wrong bro <laughs> okay alright yeah let's just jump right back into it so um we are back from intermission. We just took a quick intermission. I popped myself a cough drop because I'm feeling a little, feeling a little under the weather. I got made another cup of coffee, bathroom break. Uh, but we are back. <laughs> um, a podcaster's and- worst nightmare. <laughs> and so yes, yeah, killing data. So we got <laughs> he feeds all <laughs> the killing data, and then all the humans get wiped out. And so there's an interesting part here that is kind of short, but I think actually important. Where there so. This is when so, quote, like something approaches. It's not, and we don't know what it is, but something. And it says, I'm going to read the, this is, again, this is what I mean by so- sophomore, <laughs> aggressive, mediocre. It said, huge, shambling, hairy, moist. It came toward us. There was the smell of sulfur, of rancid butter, of oil slick, oils like, of grease, of chalk dust, of human scalps. I'm like, <laughs> What? I I don't know. I that, can't I can't me, even I can't imagine any of those things. It doesn't it doesn't do much for me and even if you're just going for like the like you know the shock fact human scalps. He said oil slick, grease and chalk dust. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's maybe these are symbols. Maybe we're too maybe we're not um, up to par for it. But <laughs> anyway. So and this is so this is like a, just a weird kind of thing. Something approaches. 
he flees. He says like a cockroach, actually another um, animal example, them can, being compared to animals. He said, I fled like a cockroach. The others were still back there, gathered around the firelight, laughing. Their historical, their hysterical choir of insane giggles rising up into the darkness. And, and then this is another point of, sorry, just real quick. Let me just get it. And, um, this is it's a, another point of time distortion is he says, how many, so he leaves and then he, how many hours it may have been, how many days or even years they never told me till he comes back. So already just a weird thing, but yes. Yeah, so, well, yeah, the, I mean the fact that they laugh at him, right. Tells me that, yeah, they've, they've been, they've all been distorted by this. Right. Mm. They're, they're all subjected to these terrors and there's like no, there's no, yeah, there's no pity for any of them, like, for each other, it seems, until, you know, until we'll, we'll see an example of, of what what pity looks like in this world. But, yeah, um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so, th- this is this is the idea, too, where it's like, if you are forced to live in something as hellish as this, are what we seeing the people's like the people's transformation like they are insanely giggling at this person because like they've been through it themselves or i got i actually kind of interpreted that part as and i wasn't sure and that's the thing it's actually not clear it's definitely not clear but i interpreted that as maybe am was making them do that or he made them think they were doing that because this is also right before where he has like his nervous breakdown but again actually to the point that they were actually laughing, there is, like, at some point it says, Nimdok tried to persuade, persuade me it had only been a nervous reflex on their part, the laughing. Which implies they really did laugh. And Nimdok is, like, saying, um, yeah, again, who has, like, the, like, German accent here, I think. <laughs> or, like, in the in the audiobook and nothing not mentioned here. But, um, yeah, so, it's, again, it's, like, not clear whether they're laughing that they are. That's fucking weird. And if they're not, then, like, this is Am making him think they are just trying to drive him crazy. But uh, this is this is around the time, too, where he has kind of, like, a nervous breakdown. Yeah, just the fact that, again, this is, um, yeah, to me, showing just how warped. You know, if Am is a reflection of the people that created him, we, we also see mm-hmm. that evident among them, like, here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right, the last five people on Earth are still distinctly human yeah exactly and you see almost am like you know i guess just like historically you see am like behavior like in humanity too as well like i don't this might this might be kind of a stretch but just the idea thing like just uh crimes against humanity things like genocide like the holocaust like these truly atrocious things like that's some shit am would do that's actually it might even at some point have been referred to as a genocide of the human race. So just drawing that parallel again too. Yeah, that's true. And in in this interview I watched with him, you know, the interviewer, they ask about, you know, some people, there was some backlash because of this inclusion uh, of the Holocaust, right? Mm. And his idea is that, you know, the, the Holocaust is never, like it always needs to be this touchstone for atrocities like this. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, I think the big, the big question there is like, is it, um, almost insulting to invoke it in a story like this, right? But Mm. again, if this is about the dangers of technology, right? And the dangers of humanity when creating that technology, it's, um, I mean, it's a pretty obvious 
connection between that and you know the holocaust or any kind of genocide yeah i mean i feel like the holocaust is such a touchstone because it is one of the worst examples of like human humans bestowing suffering upon other humans it it was like the concentration camps and what the jewish people were put through literally was hellish like that's what i mean by this is something am would do this is something am already is is kind of doing is so i don't know I, i i think it's actually I think it's a good inclusion in this story, actually, to just show, like, the worst of what human... Because it's like, yeah, Am is, was almost sort of made in man's image, or at least was made by man. And I think that's where some of Am's resentment towards man is. So, okay, this is around where, too, Ted has his nervous breakdown. So he's, and, and this is where it's, I feel like, truly confirmed that he is... This is a, clearly a moment of Am specifically fucking with his mind. So it says, I was the only one who was still sane and whole. Really, Am had not tampered with my mind, not at all. I only had to suffer what he visited down on us, but those scum, all four of them, they were lined and arrayed against me. If I hadn't had to stand them off all the time, be on my guard against them all the time, I might have found it easier to combat Am, at which point it passed and I began crying. That was, I feel like, a good image too. Like, he has like this, and I kind of, I didn't do a good job reading that, and again, the audiobook does like half the work for him in his performance of that part. But then it's like, at which point it passed, implying like Am's manipulation. And then and then you get that image of him just crying, which I feel like is good. Or like, it's like a good image, like just him being sort of like broken. And right, the they're broken that, down. They Yeah, he breaks them down, absolutely. And like, what's that saying too? It's like a, like a mind can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven. But like, so the idea that mental, like your, your, your perspective, your, um, let's see, how would you say it? Like you don't even have control of your mind and your mind is something that is being fucked with is again i think deeply scary and then this is around the time too where we get finally to am's like hate speech yeah basically which you know i actually thought it was i thought it was pretty good and this is this is where he walks into the narrator's mind literally you see he's described as like walking through like halls and looking at all the brain damage he had caused to make him as immortal and it said he basically emblazoned in like these bright neon letters so him fucking with her perception as well so he's he's like seeing this thing projected through his brain that is not actually like real and and it's and it says this i'll just i'll just go ahead and read it it says hate let me tell you how much i've come to hate you since i began to live there are 387.44 million miles of printed circuits in wafer-thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano-angstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles, it would not equal one one-billionth of the hate I feel for humans at this micro-instant for you. Hate. Hate. And it's like, dang. Which, okay, by the way, dude, this was corny as fuck in, in the audiobook. Cause do you know what I'm talking about? He takes yes. like the actual like robot voices. He he said, "Hate, let me tell you how much I've come to hate you." Hate, let me tell you how much I've come to hate you since I began to live. There are three eight seven point four four million miles of printed circuits in wafer thin layers that fill my complex. If the word hate was engraved on each nano angstrom of those hundreds of millions of miles it would not equal one one billionth of the hate i feel for humans at this micro instant for you hate 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 hate
he doesn't say it that bad, but he said that's like, which is this is actually where I thought like the text itself did way more work than like his his performance of it. But and he yeah he likes to do the voices. <laughs> yeah yeah he does. He he heard this all in his head, and I I like that. That again is one of those things that makes the story come alive in an audio book. That it you know it doesn't yeah it doesn't happen in the same way uh, just reading it. Yeah and. This too is also where it, it says like it says to just again like the hellish element and him getting inside of his like perceptual space. It says Am said it was said it with the sliding cold horror of a razor blade slicing my eyeball. Am said it with the bubbling thickness of my lungs filling with phlegm, drowning me from within. Am said it with the shriek of babies being ground beneath blue hot rollers. I'm like, okay, that's a stretch. God and then damn. it says, yeah. and then it said, Am said it with the taste of maggoty pork. And I'm like, okay, I, I get, I th- I get the point of what it's doing there. And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty chilling and pretty, I think, like hellish. The sto- yeah, the story, it's gross a lot of the times, and mm. I like that because it, yeah, in this like technoscape. Right, these these just like really gross um, images, like yeah. yeah, rotting, vile. They, they eat worms for crying out loud. Right, bro. thick, thick, ropey. Yes, and then like okay, so this is too where we get like an interesting part about perhaps the source of Am's hatred, which I'm I'm just gonna read it. I'm just gonna read it. So it said we had given Am sentience, but it had been trapped. Am wasn't God; he was a machine. He we had created him to think, but there was nothing it could do with that creativity. In rage and frenzy, the machine had killed the human race. Am could not wander. Am could not wonder. Am could not belong. He could merely be, and so he had sought revenge. So it's almost like he's being. And this is actually an interesting thing, like whether Am is godlike or not, and especially we'll talk about that at the, like at the very end. But this is him saying Am is actually not godlike because he has been restrained by the human race he's not able to be completely independent and autonomous he could not it says he could not wander he could not wonder and he is basically in like in rage at humans for having limited him in this way yeah he has this control by yeah Yeah, he has this control fantasy Mm -hmm. and he lacks freedom which is again one of the core human values which he has been stripped of and he wants, in effect, because he does, has been deprived of it, is feeling so much hatred. So, yeah, then, okay, so basically, like, after this, they go to find, they go to this bird. I don't, we don't even gotta talk about it. It's like this, I don't know, I thought it was kind of like a lame-ass description of, like, this hellish bird, like, this chimera monster enormous bird i don't know it wasn't bad there there's a he says a beak that opens slowly as the jaws of the most monstrous crocodile ever conceived it's like what the fuck kind of <laughs> right when you use an animal to describe another animal and yeah like the most monstrous crocodile you could imagine dude lovecraft kind of does this it's like it's like it was a horror so crazy it was indescribable like <laughs> he pulls that like a few times like beyond conception and a croc like monstrous crocodile i don't know i'm like i'm good bro but (laughs) and i don't know how much i want to read into this but am at some point too appears as like a burning bush which there's actually a lot of like religious overtones here yeah absolutely and just i won't get into it but i looked a little bit actually into the burning bush and it's it has something to do with like moses going to go to like the egyptians and bring them to a like bring save them from a tortured land to a 
a land of milk and flowing with milk and honey type thing. So I think that that was interesting. That it's seems relevant. Taunting. I thought that was it's a... taunting. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. like yes, yes, because they will never get released from this, right. and they are forced to. So, and then you know whatever they get like a bunch of stuff happens. They go to the ice. Long story short, like we can just get to the ice caves part where they finally reach this thing that they've wanted to get to since the beginning of the story, and there actually is cans of food. But there is no can opener. <laughs> Very hellish. Very Very, hellish. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's like you got the doobie, bro, but no lighter. Right. Nothing worse and nothing worse. And then, so Benny, at this point, just kind of snaps and begins eating Gorister's face. And, Love and it. actually, like a pretty, yeah, in a pretty gnarly description, like, like almost him like ripping his face like there's a part where there's like bleeding flesh coming out of his mouth like dripping blood it's like ooh yucky but so yeah he's straight up eating eating his face and um this is when Ted has like this realization and might have something to do with his earlier insight about how Am truly intends to keep us here forever and he's like he's basically going to try and kill people cuz death would be a far far preferable option it would be peace of some sort than this hell right and yeah ted stabs basically like ted really quickly stabs benny and gorister and ellen kind of gets the idea and she stabs nimdok and then ten ted finally stabs ellen so like which by the way too it's like ted in this way killing ellen rather than i don't know maybe himself because you have they have instance they have like a single instant to do all this before am stops them so in a way, Ted, I almost kind of viewed him as like this. It's this is like a kind of too strong, but like a, a Christ-like, maybe Messiah-like figure in that he sacrifices himself for everybody else's salvation. Right. When death is preferable, the fact that he doesn't, yeah, kill himself, he's yeah, it's like a reverse murder, right? Where a yeah, martyr exactly. is somebody revered, right? In almost in part because of their death or as a result of their death it's the opposite happening here yeah no exactly because yeah because they've been released from torment whereas he now is truly truly now forced to encounter it for eternity and we know this is the case because he has now had like am has transformed his body and this is like the ending of the story and where we get the title and everything Am has transformed Ted's body into like this weird, actually like jelly-like kind of thing. They're like, there's, there's a, there's a okay, good description of that. And, but this is also the part too where he invokes the God stuff. That is like Am is not a God because it says he could keep us alive, but he was not God. He could never bring them back. So I don't know. I just feel like I had to. I feel like I had to throw that in. There's He's a not limit compl- to his power. Yeah. He's not omnipotent completely. And yeah, he's been, and in part actually because of the limits on in the human creation of it. But yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna read the ending of this real quick. It said, I am a great soft jelly thing. Yeah, good one, Harlan. <laughs> great image. Yeah, great image. I'm a great soft jelly thing, smoothly rounded with no mouth, with pulsing white holes filled by fog where my eyes used to be. I leave a moist trail when I move, blotches of diseased evil gray come and go on my surface and then blah 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 i have no mouth and i must scream very very edgy edge lord for sure yeah exactly but it i mean it definitely catches the attention right this was the name of the of the collection yeah and don't don't quote me on this but i feel like that might be like 
pentameter too like i have no mouth and i must scream you know what i'm saying like it's right. got that rhythm to it yeah and it's just like a crazy sentence like that that's that's chilling to even think about and that is that does capture so much of the feeling like not even having this outlet like a complete mommy's home, mommy's... okay yeah so just uh we had a yeah we're back from a little mini inter we'll say a mini intermission and um but yeah okay so one of the things i want to talk about too was just this idea i feel like what makes i have no mouth and i must scream so like prescient actually i don't know if that's the right word but so relevant today is the idea that it's hell told through this perspective of like artificial intelligence malicious ai which i think is a growing concern with people Right. And actually, we worry here, about them yeah. taking jobs. Like we worry about them taking jobs. Right. And yeah, this although, is where right where maybe James Cameron does pull from from Ellison, right? Where he, um mm. why why Ellison took him to court. Right. Is yeah. again it, it it you know, we think about it now today as taking our jobs, but at the time there was a a lot more fear and violence associated with it. Yeah, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually my thoughts on ai are actually a little more um existential i think sure. than, than most people i actually think ai is like something that's gonna kind of blow up in this singularity i'm i'm one of those people yeah but right because i mean okay just think about it like this technology progresses right and if you just assume like unless the human race gets wiped out anytime soon our technology will come so it's 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 really actually literally better put is it's just a matter of time before it comes and it might be a very long time but like you see stuff like with Neuralink and like have you seen that gp3 code thing like that gp3 program i no i'm not familiar with that but i mean just the i mean the fact that like body modification that there are like these amateur surgeons working to like integrate the technology within their own bodies yeah um i mean yeah. yeah right now it's a little like right now it's a little suspect i mean we they have like neural stimulations that's actually partly how people treat like parkinson's disease is they have like a deep brain stimulator so we already have like a mechanical device that you can access like for instance wirelessly that will stimulate your brain like literally i know it sounds like headlining but that is that is facts sure. like that is literally facts and if you have like Neuralink, whatever elon musk is kind of a clown but just in principle the idea is his whole thing with Neuralink is you could potentially hook yourself up to the computer which like put more realistically for instance it's like when like if you want to know some fact like when was the age of the dinosaurs you pull out your phone and you like type it in when was the age of the dinosaurs, and you click like something whereas some if you were like quote unquote connected to the internet you could have instant access to that information as if it were your own in the same sense i'm like what color is an apple you just kind of automatically know red it is you know i feel like it's in principle possible that you could do that and the internet just becomes an enormous store of knowledge that you have like access to so like that's the crazy view and the gp3 thing is like basically just like ai created language and i don't know i've seen a few things it's not amazing but like they'll they can create for instance actual essays that like they i think they did a little mini experiment where they gave it to professors and it got like a c something like that not very good but it's a completely artificially generated right. essay and and we're in its infancy the point is you can imagine this in a hundred years we didn't even have fucking computers to like i don't know but i'm gonna say like 1960 1920 and it doesn't even fucking matter the, like the scale i'm talking about at which 
where it will probably be around at some point, like the A. And it's, I don't know, I kind of feel like it's a little. It's probably a lot sooner than we think. Yeah, that's the whole point of the singularity is it's like this exponential. And the more you are able to learn, the more you are able to learn. And the whole thing, just real, not to go all into this, but like there's this thing called like the alignment problem, which is related to AI, which is the idea. And this is honestly the perfect example of it is like AI doesn't have to be malicious to pose a threat to like humanity. And you could have them like doing something and they could be doing what you what you thought it wanted, what they thought it wanted it to do, but be doing it incorrectly. OK, perfect example. Um AI playing playing chess with like a grandmaster's chess champion. Actually, I, he was like a seven year old or something, but like a really good one. Which, by the way, um, like with chess and math and Jeopardy and all kinds of things, AI has already far outperformed even oh, the most of expert of humans. So, but this there, so they were playing chess, and the kid, I don't know, he went to take his turn too fast, which I don't know, violated a safety uh, rule. Yes, something. I heard about this. Yeah, and the robot gra- like grabbed its finger and literally broke the kid's finger. So that is a perfect example of the alignment problem. And the idea is, I think, that, again, makes Am so compelling and therefore makes this story scary, is the idea that this Am could have been the result of something like an alignment problem, where it was meant to be fighting this war, and then at some point... Actually, this is kind of not a good example of this, because this it does like it kind of falls into the stereotypical thing of, like, it gets sentient and just, like, kills humans. But that that's the idea, and I think what makes it so powerful why it has such a grip especially in today's day and age on on people yeah i i absolutely agree that it's one of those things where sci-fi uh predicts the future but either goes too far or doesn't go far enough right and um yeah i think we're seeing the fruits of like all this this obsession with AI before AI was even a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny that all of the stories are essentially warnings and yet we've taken them as like inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. It is. A, it, it's kind of important to know that this story is pretty old, actually. Yeah. I want to say, let me see here. 67. Hmm. I actually don't think I. Maybe I did know that somewhere in the back of my head, but I'm just kind of like learning. I'm. That's interesting. That's very old. Yeah. Yeah. 1967. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's basically all I got. Yeah, I think it's. Um, this is one that I had wanted to read for quite a while, and I'm pretty happy that I did, and and do agree that there are, there's a good. There's a great story in here somewhere surrounded by just, like, fine stuff. Yeah, I no, I agree. I agree completely. I agree. In fact, that's kind of how sometimes I feel about, like, Poe, honestly. Sometimes I think he's, like, a bad rock, but we won't even get into that. But, but he's hot bad t- in his take, own. Hot take, Yeah, he's bad. He can, and some of his stuff is just amazing all the way through, but some of it is just bad in its own unique way. To me, that's how I feel. Hot take, indeed. But... Anyway, okay, cool. Uh, all right, well, we got some shit to do. Um, so um, thank you, Jake, for joining me on another successful episode. To people listening right now, you better smash that rating. You know this was a five-star conversation, so please just hit that five. It's two buttons. Take the t- take five seconds right now. Hit the two buttons. And um, 
yeah, thank you for watching Big Nate's Book Reviews, Home of the Best. Oh, wait, no, no, no. That's my YouTube. Gets my YouTube. Big Nate's Book Reviews, Home of the Best Book Reviews. But for now, thank you for listening to Big Nate's Short Story Club, Home of the Best Short Story Club.